2: This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Monday, December 9th. You guys hearing us, of course, in the early morning hours of December 10th, a Tuesday. So welcome back to the Cubs Related Podcast. And today, the winter meetings have begun in San Diego, people trickling in starting on Sunday. I think they officially kicked off earlier today on Monday, and they will continue throughout this week. So with that said, uh, there has not been any breaking news for us to cover, but we will be ready in case something goes down in the next few days, so we may end up talking to you more than once this week. Who knows? Based on the rumors that we're hearing that we'll discuss in a little bit here, I hope we don't have to talk to you anytime soon, because I don't like the sound of any of it, but we'll get there. Uh,
3: Brendan, <sighs> h- how, are, how are you holding up? It's been a not rough good, day,
2: rumor-wise. Yeah, No,
3: I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not doing well. The, these yeah. Chris Bryan discussions, they upset me. I mean, I'm not going to front about it. These discussions upset me and we'll get into it. But for day one of the winter meetings, like you don't want to be talking about Chris Bryan's uh, grievance. You don't want to be talking about him going to the Philadelphia Phillies or the Texas Rangers amongst other guys being discussed as well. Even Wilson Contreras and the Angels like this is this is the stuff you don't want to be hearing. But, you know, this is our reality. Right. So
2: that would be, I think, a a large portion of our discussion. We'll talk about the budget situation again. This is what is going on with the Cubs. We want to make sure that uh, we are keeping you up to date with everything, but Brendan, we are going to start on a positive note. I have two positive notes for you. The first is okay. a congratulations to the new Mr. and Mrs. Kyle Schwarber, Kyle and his fiancee Paige getting married over the weekend, so congratulations to them. We didn't get a ton of wedding content on Instagram, but we did get some. Kevin Rizzo did make an appearance. Uh, thank you to Chad Noble. Uh, for showing us that Kevin is still alive, that was that was great. Uh, and Jake Arietta was there. John, I think the my favorite part of the content that we did get was the fact that Kai, uh, Anthony Rizzo, and John Lester sit next to each other at the wedding ceremony, mm. and I, I just couldn't help but imagine the two of them being like the kids in class that the teacher has to say, like, "Guys, quiet down!" Like, Stop I'm gonna talking. have to. Si- Yeah, I'm going to have to separate you two if you keep talking. Uh, But anyway, congratulations to Kyle and Paige. That's always good news. And the other little bit of positive spin that I have on this dreadful day of rumors in Chicago Cubs world is that, Brendan, December 9th is a significant day for me and all of you and all of us who root for the Chicago Cubs. And I I, I would just ask you, Brendan, do you remember why December 9th is
3: an important day for all of us? A Chicago Cubs legend began his career with the Chicago Cubs, Corey. John Lester, signed by the Cubs on this day.
2: That is correct. It was on December 9th that we got the reports from Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan in the late evening hours uh, in 2014 that John Lester had agreed to a contract with the Chicago Cubs. Can
3: I, I read one important number for you about John I would, Lester?
2: Uh, Brendan, I would love for you
3: to do that. we got to brighten the day up. Okay, John Lester— since twenty fifteen when he debuted with the Cubs has accumulated over almost actually seventeen wins above replacement. If you multiply that number by eight or by ten, whatever dollar per war you want to use, Corey, John Lester has been worth between one hundred and thirty six million to one hundred and seventy million dollars on the free agent market. What does that mean, Corey? That means John Lester was worth every single penny on that contract and then some. He still has one more year left. He's had lasting effects in other pitchers as well. That will go down as the most influential free agent signing in Chicago Cubs history. No doubt about it. I know, you know, the Hawk is in there, John Lester, game seven of the World Series, plus all this consistency, probably the best.
2: I would tend to agree with you, Brendan, and I just want to go through a, a quick reminder. I tweeted this out, but a, a quick reminder of what he has accomplished here since signing back in December of 2014 in 941 and two thirds innings pitched. He has posted a 3.54 ERA. He was twice named to Major League Baseball's all-star team. He finished second place for the 2016 National League Cy Young Award. He was the co-MVP of the 20. 2016 National League Championship Series, in which the Chicago Cubs won the pennant over the Los Angeles Dodgers, yep, yep, and yep. he also was, therein, a member of the 2016 World Series Champion Chicago Cubs. Yeah, so series dis- champion, correct, De- yes. Yep. That is true. December 9th is a great day in Cubs history, and we would be remiss if that is not where we began this podcast. I am grateful that John made that decision, and I look forward to seeing what 2020 has in store for him. But I suppose, Brendan, it is there that we must. We really have no choice uh, but to turn to Rumor season. The winter meetings have begun. Uh, A lot of stuff going down. Earlier on Monday afternoon, Steven Strasburg re-upping with the Washington Nationals. A huge contract, seven years, a ton of money uh, for, I believe, the 31-year-old Strasburg. So very interesting to see how that will kind of pace the market. Certainly anybody in Garrett Cole's camp is very excited to see Strasburg get that number uh, because assuredly Garrett will be eclipsing that by and then some. So that that's kind of the, the big news in terms of the free agent market. We've already seen that this year is going a lot differently than years past. Things are happening very quickly. Money is being thrown around at bigger levels than I think we've seen. So the offseason has a little bit of a different feel to it. So that's kind of where we start. But Brendan nothing concrete coming out about the Chicago Cubs. So I, I, I certainly don't want to freak anyone out. No, nothing for sure has happening. We just heard, again, we're recording this on Monday evening, about eight o'clock in Chicago. Theo just spoke in his, I, I think, hotel room, that's what it looked like, saying, like, nothing's going on. We're not close to anything. You're hearing a lot of rumors, but nothing is about to happen, I swear. So, nothing concrete but we are hearing a lot of chatter about Chris Bryant we are hearing a lot of chatter about Wilson Contreras those two names in particular and the necessary context to this and we we talked about this when the news first broke but we still don't have that resolution on Chris Bryant's grievance situation so obviously he uh, appealing to the arbiter that he uh, should be a free agent after this year instead of in 2 years I, 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 and I don't think anybody thinks that Chris is going to win that case, uh, but he wanted to do it to, you know, be the... Poster boy, I guess, for his fellow Major League Baseball players and, and those, uh, you know, a, a part of the Players Association. So I don't think he's going to win. Nobody thinks he's going to win, but not knowing does change things. It changes things for if the Cubs were interested in trading him. It obviously changes his value if he's only a member of a different team for a year versus two. And obviously, the Cubs' particular plans would need to change pretty drastically because if you are not going to move him, Which they better not. uh, The difference between having him for only a year and staring his pending free agency in the face right now versus two, you know, uh, two years from now, there is a big difference in that. So that's kind of the necessary context of the situation, Brendan. I don't know if you wanted to read any of the specific rumors in particular. We heard, you know, maybe that uh, the Cubs had spoken to the Phillies, uh, or if you want to start this conversation in a different direction. But that's kind of what we're hearing from the winter meetings perspective, a similar tone to last year, that in order to spend money, the Cubs would need to move money.
3: I think it's important to note that there's been no reports suggesting the Cubs payroll will be substantially less than that in 2019. So the Cubs ended 2019 with a luxury tax hit of 239 million. They were a few million away, Corey, from having the most expensive payroll in Major League Baseball right now. They're estimated to be between 210 and 215 after arbitration. Going into 2019, the Cubs were far below that number. They were around I think two hundred and five million. They made sweeping changes across their roster with their bullpen, signing correct Cambro, calling guys up, and eventually got to that two hundred and thirty-nine point. So the fact that the Cubs are trying to move around money right now doesn't mean they're trying to move around money for the sake of cutting payroll. If they want to have that midseason flexibility in 2020, they're gonna have to stay pretty frugal right now. Again, that doesn't mean, hey, we're not going to go out and sign the Castellanos or Didi Gregorius or some of these other guys as well, Dallas Keuchel. What that means is we need to move someone like possibly Tyler Chatwood, someone like Jason Hayward's contract to make that work. That way you can go out and make more acquisitions at the midseason. We're not hearing reports saying, oh yeah, the Cubs are going to be cutting payroll, trade KB, trade Contreras, trade Rizzo, trade everyone. Let's get below 205000000 million. We're not hearing that. That's an incredibly important distinction. And at the same time, if we're going to be up in arms about the Cubs trying to, or rather up in arms about the Cubs not spending beyond 250, 260, 270 million, no team has done that recently. All teams are operating under this same type of luxury tax restriction. That's a different argument whether you think the Cubs should be going above that or other teams going above that. That's the reality. It's not pragmatic to expect the Cubs are going to be spending 280 million by signing, you know, Anthony Rendon or signing all these big time free agents. That's, it's just not going to happen. And most teams are not going to do that. So it's just it, to, to talk about Ricketts in that sense, of course, you and I want them to spend more money. It's just not a pragmatic discussion to have whether they should be doing that. It's And I just, it's, it's beyond my, I guess, comprehension to be solely focused on that when this entire offseason so far has been defined by fixing the very weaknesses that led the Cubs to this point that's been front office shakeups to their player development infrastructure, a new hitting director, a new pitching director, a new scouting director, moving McLeod out of the scouting into professional, the major league personnel realm. Like that is what is happening to try to get the Cubs to the next level. They're not going to punt 2020. They're not going to punt 2021. These guys have two more years left in the front office to make this work. They're going to be trying to win at every damn cost. So again, no reports that they're going to cut payroll no reports that they're going to punt 2020. The reports are they need to move some money around to go out and sign a player like Nick Castellanos. And it could be realistic. We just don't know yet. This market has a lot more movement to take place before we even have an idea of what to expect, Corey.
2: For us, for me especially, I take a wait and see approach with this. I, I see the 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 talk. I understand that some of the beat writers have put out there that maybe the sense is they're they're going to cut payroll and they're you know they're not going to have a big 2020. Whatever. I I, I I gotta be honest with you guys, and I I guess I can't say I don't mean any disrespect because it's hard to say this, but I don't care whether Jesse Rogers thinks the Cubs aren't going to be good in 2020. His opinion doesn't matter to me. David Kaplan's opinion, these are all guesses, right? They have no idea. All of these people have been wrong on a million different things. I do not care what their prediction is whatsoever, okay? Uh, The necessary caveat to this is also, again, and Brendan, you alluded to this, the Ricketts should spend more money. That is always the case. It's never not going to be the case. We always think that, right? But again, this is a business. This is how capitalism works, whether we like it or not, right? Billionaires tend to be greedy people, right? And if this is how they want to run the business, there's not really anything you or I specifically, Brendan, can do, right? So they should spend more money, And if there's problems on the team, they should just fix them. But that's not how it's probably going to work. And so like we discussed at the beginning of the offseason, and you were just alluding to with some of the changes that they made, we have to take a look and say, okay, this was the second highest payroll team in the league in 2019, and they had a lot of flaws. So where do those flaws come from? Their player development system, etc.? And so this is an all-encompassing thing. It's all just to say that the narrative quickly on Cubs Twitter and in some of the conversations on Monday turns very rapidly to F the Ricketts. The Ricketts are cheap. We're hearing all this talk that they're going to cut payroll, yada, yada, right? And Mm -hmm. that's okay as long as you also acknowledge that we got here because of some failings of this front office and in the baseball operations department of this organization,
3: that that's just a fact. You you really can't dispute that. And th- that is not from our words. That is from the words of the president, Theo Epstein. Said right. that, Corey. This is why and we're all seeing their- these drastic changes.
2: Yeah, a front office that thinks they're doing a really great job doesn't drastically overhaul their personnel like they have this off season. And again, all these things can be true at once. The Ricketts should not pull the rug out from under the budget just to stay save them their their billion dollar worth family some extra millions, right? They shouldn't do that. Okay? That can be true and Theo Epstein can also have made some mistakes. All of this can be true at once. What a wonderful world it is right where all of that is true. But regardless, those are like the necessary caveats cuz like I don't want anybody thinking that Brendan and I are over here caping for billionaires cuz we're not. But getting on here and just saying spend, spend, spend is not a practical discussion cuz that's not what's going to happen. So we we have to dial in on this more and i I think that where the Cubs are is again you you have to remember like we talk about this all the time. how different would this off season be, and all of these conversations be if the Cubs had one pitcher, one on their roster that they had drafted moved
3: through their own system, and
2: brought up to the major
3: leagues. I mean, specifically, I want to give an example for that, because that's a great point right there. Specifically, what that would mean, Corey, is a possibility of not having to shell out $20 million to Cole Hamels because your previous $13 million investment in Tyler Chatwood failed. That means you saved $33 million, which could be spent on the likes of a Bryce Harper, spent on the likes of extending KB right away. That's what one pitcher does, Corey
2: and you know you look at some of these other guys right you you have to start dialing in and and this is what Theo kind of meant when he said you know maybe we bet on these guys for too long maybe we committed to this group for too long like Kyle Schwarber showed extremely encouraging signs and development in that second half of 2019 but even prior to that right like you've got him you've got Hap, you've got Elmora you've got Addison Russell, who's now not even with the organization, etc. Th- this group of guys that none of which, again, save for Kyle Schwarber in that second half, developed the way you wanted them to, and and developed into a sure every day. This guy is in the lineup, providing you know what, like three to four WAR or something like that on the on the course of the season. Like you just have not seen that trajectory with some of these guys. They've missed. On developing some of these guys, or they've taken too long, whatever it is, right? And, you know, I'm always gonna go back to Brendan, like, however much credit you wanna give them for drafting Chris Bryant and him being really good, and we'll get to Bryant more, but like, congratulations for that. Like, I think my dog could have selected Chris Bryant and had him be successful because he's one of the best players in the league. Uh, But Javi Baez was not drafted by this group. Wilson Contreras was not brought into this organization by this group. Those are Jim Hendry guys, right? So you look at the roster and you start to pick out like, okay, how many successes did they, you know, have they had so far? And that is what brings us to this point, right? You you are not able to develop all of these players. You are not able to develop literally any pitchers that you drafted. And so you have to spend all this money. You have to keep trying on these free agents. And I I think in general, we've agreed with a lot of the direction that Theo has taken on on free agency. But like with any team, free agency is a risk. It's not always going to work. You're going, No matter who it is, any team is going to have good signings that work out and bad signings that work out, whether the process that led you there was correct or not. So that's, that's what brings us there. And I, and I feel like it's always necessary to kind of run through that really quickly because, again, I just feel like it's a disingenuous conversation to just say, well, Tom Ricketts is being cheap. You know, that's BS. The Cubs get 40,000 fans no matter what. Again, very true. Right, and they should spend more money. They should not be adhering to the luxury tax or whatever to save themselves a few million dollars. But you got, you have to point out the flaws in the actual process, or I just don't think the conversation is genuine. I, I don't think you're doing the overall discourse any service by not pointing out some of those failings. I, I think that it's necessary to the conversation and to address how you get here. Because again, like let's say Ian Hap. Instead of having to be sent down before the season even began in 2019, spending a few months in the minors coming up, you know, being a kind of hit or miss at times. Like, let's, if he developed into an everyday center fielder, no questions asked, he's starting out there almost every day, right? Or Almora had developed into that guy like they envisioned, and you have a number three starter that you drafted and have in that rotation. Uh, this today and and, uh, about these specific winter meetings the conversation you and i are having brendan is completely different completely different and they haven't been able to provide even those like kind of bare minimum things so that's why we are where we are and i think that that's a good segue into this chris bryant discussion because we are hearing these rumors ramp up uh and I think certainly the one angle is that if the Cubs are looking to cut payroll, you know, that is uh, a way to get a lot in return and also save themselves some money. It's also a conversation that they, they you know, would probably have to be approaching at some point, probably next year, assuming he doesn't win that grievance case. So this is early, but anytime you have a free agent, uh, to, a free agent to be that is likely going to want to test the market and, and potentially set records with the contract that they're getting, uh, it's a discussion you have to have. At the very least, you might want to put out feelers and see what teams are willing to give back to you. So I, I hate that this is a conversation. I hate it. It, it makes me sick. But Part of it is at least somewhat practical, especially when you have a good number of teams in this particular offseason that are going to be bidding like crazy for Anthony Rendon. Some of them are going to lose that bidding, and at the very least, whether you intend to do it or not, it might be at least worthwhile to see what's out there, right? Right. But if they make this move simply to save payroll, it's an absolute mess. And trust me, there will be an explicit podcast to follow. But like, Brendan, I I hate that we're here. But again, like kind of similar to the whole thing, there's a lot of different things that lead us here. And it's also important to properly contextualize just how good
3: Chris Bryant is, is it not? Corey, Chris Bryant, since debuting in 2015, has been the third most valuable player in Major League Baseball. The only two players above Bryant are Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. And Mookie Betts is marginally better because of his defensive value across the off field. If we look at just WRC+, Chris Bryant has actually produced more runs than Mookie Betts. We're talking about a guy in Chris Bryant who not only plays third base, but can go to the outfield, can play first base if needed. We're talking about a guy who runs the bases better than anyone, especially for his size. We saw that on display in the World Series. And we're talking about Corey, a guy who has drastically, completely revamped his game since debuting in 2015. Going from a pure slugger who strikes out once every three plate appearances to a guy who strikes out once every four to five plate appearances. That is a big, big, big change that normally you don't see from power sluggers like Chris Bryant. We're talking about, again, someone who debuted with a whiff rate of 34% his whiff rate today is around 25%. These are sweeping improvements and they suggest that he has the capacity to rapidly adjust, to keep improving. He's 27 years old. He's walking at a double-digit rate. He's striking now at a league average rate now. This is a type of portfolio that projects to age well. So if there's anyone to give an extension to, it's Chris Bryant. It's to an athlete who plays multiple position who has the capacity to always adjust. We've written about Chris Bryant on CubsInsider.com multiple times. The latest adjustment he made was against fastballs. We talked with Mike Bryant two and a half years ago as hitting coach and father about changes they wanted to make. So the talk about Chris Bryant not being one of the game's best, it's simply untrue. He's been exactly that, one of the league's best players. And so when we, when we talk about Chris Bryant and trades, what return can we get? What returns make sense? I can't even let my mind go that direction. Not only do we not know about his grievance result and we won't know about it in three weeks— that's going to affect what teams are willing to give up for Chris Bryant. It's very different to trade your top prospects along with major league value for one year versus two years of Chris Bryant. I'm sure teams are not going to be comfortable dealing with any of their main guys for Chris Bryant until they have the knowledge that he won't be a free agent until two more seasons. So, I it's just not it's not pragmatic we talk about pragmatism with the ownership it's just not pragmatic to talk about possible returns because the likelihood of that happening in this winter meetings or even within the next week or two I would imagine it's next to none, unless I'm losing my mind here. And teams would be willing to trade their best guys for the uncertainty that is Chris Bryant's future with his grievance. It's you know Theo did say they have an idea of what to expect, and I imagine what they are expecting is that he won't be a free agent until two more years. Nevertheless, that is an issue. So, point being, Corey Chris Bryant, one of the game's best players, fact, one of the game's most smartest players fact, one of the most versatile players, fact, I don't see how you can get
0: better returns for him.
2: Yeah, Brennan, I, I think it's always important in these conversations to remember that we are not talking about some guy. We're talking about one of the best players in baseball. I, I think that sometimes, and you, you know, you look around the discourse today with some of the, the rumors being peddled from the different sources and varying validity, right? And sometimes the, the conversation just steers to directions where you'd think we were talking about just any other player, and we're not. When Chris Bryant has been healthy, he is one of the best players in baseball, full stop. These are facts. You couldn't dispute it, even if you tried, right? The only time he's not is when he is hurt, and all of these injuries are easily documented, easily provable. Like th- These are not just made-up things going on. And
3: he's still banned Corey one of the most valuable players, despite those right. injuries, that's right. even more impressive to go along with it.
2: Right. So it's, it's always important to talk about that. And and that's firstly, like, obviously, that I don't want to be having this conversation. I don't want to trade Chris Bryant at all. I have no interest in it whatsoever. So that that's my general standpoint on this. But the rumors are out there. And you know, kind of like we discussed a little bit, when you get to the point in a guy's career where he is going to be a free agent he's not going to win that grievance but if he did it would be in a year he won't so it'll be two years like at some point if you've talked to him and you don't think an extension is pragmatic or you know it's just going to be too difficult to reach an agreement on he's a Boris guy he might be trying to you know set the world on fire with his deal even if it is with the Cubs yeah, at least you can pick up the phone, right? So it's not a, an outlandish thing to even hear these rumors. Like they they would be doing themselves a disservice to at not least at least not field the phone calls, right? Especially you have Anthony Rendon, who is going to be the big prize. There's going to be a lot of people bidding for him, which means there's going to be a lot of people losing on him. So at least field the phone calls. If we're having this conversation because the Cubs need to cut payroll. That's a different discussion. If they believe that this is the best move, if they end up doing it to improve their trajectory for 2020 and beyond, that's one thing. If they're doing it because the, 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 the you know the budget faucet has been turned off and Tom is making Theo pay for some of the bad contracts, right? We've got a whole nother situation to deal with and we'll deal with it, but it, that, it hasn't happened yet. So like let's just see where things play out. Uh, But I I think the biggest concern for me is kind of what we set the table for, like, this guy's one of the best players in baseball. So it's very difficult to envision how the Cubs would find themselves in a position that they get the proper haul in return for him uh, that really, like, changes the trajectory of their future. You just feel so good about the influx of talent or something like that that you've been able to add or like that it puts them in a position to succeed for these next two years. It's just very difficult to see a scenario where the more productive solution for the 2020 and 2021 Cubs is not just to keep Chris Chris Bryant and let him be a top of the league player and see what you can put around him, right? So that's where the concern comes in, is just you, you don't want to end up in a situation where, you know, you look at someone... Like what the Brewers got for Christian Yelich, for example, or what the Marlins got when they traded Christian Yelich. Like Christian Yelich is going on and winning MVPs for the Brewers, and you know, the the haul that the Marlins got isn't putting them in a, a franchise changing position, right? And when you're dealing a guy like Chris Bryant, that's how you should feel about it. So I'm not confident that they're going to match up with somebody in that regard. Uh, and I wish this conversation would stop is is really just the the long and short of it. Um, again, though, like, I I understand the urge to freak out about stuff like this. It makes me sick that we're even talking about this, right? Like one of the best players to put on a Cubs uniform, we should not be talking about trading him two years before he's even a free agent when he's 27 years old it's just not a conversation we should be having unless again like I said it's just to see what's out there because he might be a free agent any other reason and it's just dumb and just not something we should be doing uh but they're out there the, the conversation is out there and I and I understand the urge to kind of freak out and and it it goes directly towards Tom Ricketts and, and why aren't they spending more money this is only because of that but let's just see if they actually do it and 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 if they did what is the haul and what is the overall like what does this team look like when they show up in spring training because I think before that you're kind of just reading the tea leaves and and assuming the reasons for things and the direction so I, I think the the better decision is to like deal with the rumors as they come we'll see what happens And we can evaluate whether we want to be really pissed off or okay with it, like, at the time. But I I, I wish it would stop. Like, they should not trade Chris Bryant. Uh, I, I... I really don't see how they're going to end up in a situation where they're better for it uh, unless they just find that perfect partner that is willing to give them an absolute massive haul to make this decision. Uh, But it's also quite unfortunate with this grievance situation, because either way, uh, you know, like we've talked about, that affects things one way or the other. Uh, So it would be nice that they could have dealt with this over, you know, all this time they've had to look at this case instead of it going on at the winter meetings. Like, while they're uh, trying to make plans with him or otherwise. But that's
3: the situation that we find ourselves in. And it just sucks, too, Corey, that we've gotten to this point where discussing Chris Bryant as a realistic trade candidate is beyond my imagination. Like, I, I would have never thought after three years winning the World Series that we would have gone down this path. And it's just a flurry. Of bad decisions across the board, as well as some unlucky things that have happened to this team. I don't think many of us thought that Chris Bryant would have been injured for several months with a bum knee with a shoulder in the previous year. I don't think many of us thought Javi would break his thumb last year and Contreras strain his hamstring twice, mm-hmm. along with you Darvish's arm injury in 2018. Yeah, there have been a lot, a lot of injuries. There have also been a lot of poor decisions and there's been a lot of misfortune and as well as incompetency developing players. It's a perfect storm. But what Whether you want to be on the side of, yeah, let's trade Chris Bryant because it makes sense. We can all agree that the fact that we're talking about one of the youngest MVPs in trade discussions on the Cubs, it sucks. At the end of the day, it just sucks. Especially someone as... Kind and someone with a great personality great character and Chris Bryant I think at the end of the day we can just all agree that discussing Chris Bryant on a different team absolutely sucks Brendan I I think that that transitions
2: at least somewhat into the other player that we've heard basically as much about in terms of trade rumors and that's Wilson Contreras and I, I wanted to Pose this topic to you this way in saying like how much obviously I know that Chris Bryant is a better player overall than than Wilson Contreras I don't really think that that's at issue but how does your comfort level or discomfort level however you want to phrase that how does that change when we switch from Chris Bryant to Wilson Contreras and given that Yasmani Grandal is is not on the market anymore. He's with the Chicago White Sox. And and I think going into this offseason, when we heard about the Contreras rumors, a, a lot of people kind of put the dots together and said, okay, like maybe you can trade Wilson for a big haul, inject some, some prospect talent or, or some sort of talent throughout the organization that way. And you can still replace him with a a comparable bat, a good defender, and, you know, maybe not skip a beat there, just reap the benefits of the trade, right? But he's not there anymore. The market isn't strong at all in terms of if you're talking about, like, someone you feel comfortable as a starter. So— would you be comfortable doing that if the hall was good? Are you comfortable with Victor Caratini as your starting catcher and someone in that kind of Martine Maldonado vein? Maybe not him exactly, but you know someone who's not a good hitter. You're not going to look to him to anything other than just being a good defensive catcher. Is that whole timeline something that you're interested in or are you kind of out on that process now?
3: Of course, it always depends on what the return is. With With Vic, there is a level of uncertainty there that I don't like. It's not to say that I wasn't impressed with what he did in 2019. I think the pitch framing alone was impressive. He was a top 25% pitch framer across all of baseball. You combine that with what he did offensively, and it does make him an appealing option for a starter. But the Cons to that are many. I mean, we have Caratini playing selectively against certain matchups. He's playing at times once every four to five days when he was, you know, basically serving as you, Darvish's personal catcher. And so there are instances where you can see that giving Caratini 400 plus plate appearances as a guarantee might be an issue in that we have not seen Caratini adjust to being a starter every day. We have not seen him adjust to major league pitching in that capacity like we have with Wilson Contreras. But I mean, if the Cubs can Shed, it's only 5 million, but we've seen what they can do with 5 million in shed payroll. Whether you want to think that's Ricketts' fault or whatever, it's just the reality of the situation and what the return looks like. I would be interested in it. I just don't think it's realistic. I don't think it's realistic to expect that you can trade Wilson Contreras and then get back a player who automatically fills a hole elsewhere on the roster, who fills a hole in center field or fills a hole at second base. I've seen names like David Fletcher get brought up, a second base shortstop, third baseman for the Angels, a guy who strikes out under 10%, walks around a similar rate. But his WRC Plus last year, at that peak was essentially league average. Do you want to trade Wilson Contreras, despite all of his defensive shortcomings right now, for a league average offensive player who's only proven himself for one year? To me, that's a no-go. So if we were talking about this two months ago, and we were to compare, okay, who do you want to trade among Schwarber or KB, Contreras or Hap? You know, Ian Happ and Contreras were the two guys, but Contreras' name was mentioned only because of the existing free agent trade, or, or not trade market, but free agent market. I was into Travis Darnold as a backup. I was into even going out and spending on Yasmani Grindal because of his offense and defense. Those two guys are off the board. Steven Vogt is even off the board with Arizona for I think, what, $7 million, whatever it is. The free Asian market for catchers is not what it was. And this shows the difficulty of lining up free Asian signings with trading integral parts from your court. It's, it just seems impossible. That that extends to these Chris Bryant discussions. So yeah, Corey, I, I don't think I would even trade Contreras right now. I just don't have, and I like Vic, but I need the certainty. I need to project with 100 or close to 100% certainty what we can see from Vic. I just don't think we see it right now.
2: Yeah, I I think that's really where this lands. It's just a risk. And again, you and I ate Crow anytime we had to last year because we didn't, you know, we were kind of upset that the Cubs didn't add a veteran catcher going into the season, kind of shore up that that situation. And he performed really well, and he performed really well before and after uh, breaking that bone in his hand. And we, we gave him the proper credit for that because he deserved it. But that is a different thing entirely than saying, okay, this guy's now our starting catcher, and we're going to get rid of a, a very talented catcher in front of him to do that. And I, I think you know honestly like I don't know what I would expect from Victor in that role that's that's a lot that's a lot to ask of someone to kind of ask them to step up like that um and I think you know that also doesn't consider the personal and emotional and and clubhouse element of it and obviously you don't want to give too much deference to to stuff like that but Wilson is a big personality on this team he's a fan favorite he's someone who seems to have very good relationships with a lot of the pitchers a lot of the guys in this clubhouse and he's one of those guys who I always say like he will die on that field for the Chicago Cubs and sometimes that you know that that stuff has value and and you have to consider that when you are making moves you know we 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 talked last year about the Cubs having some issues with base running, with defense and things like that. And, you know, anytime you make a move and, you know, you've got a new manager now, like you have to consider the the, the personality elements involved and the role that everybody's playing. And uh, it would be a, a big hit to just, I think, kind of the identity of this group to move Wilson. And again, like that's not your, your primary concern. You know, I think you, you are always looking at this from a baseball perspective, but that stuff does matter. and I think when you're talking about the risks like I I don't know Brendan I don't I don't really think I would be super comfortable with Victor Caratini some other backup catcher and you know like Taylor Davis again being your your depth at 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 catcher for your major league baseball team like a team if you're trying to compete it's a risk and again you know I I didn't agree with Victor being the backup last year and he proved us wrong so you could always be proven wrong but I, I I just think like you said it's 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 hard to figure, like, I can see them getting a haul for Wilson uh, or at least getting some, some good return for him. So, like, I, I still get that element of it. But beyond that, without knowing what kind of those next moves on the chessboard would be, it's it's hard to be super confident uh, that that would all play out with, with the Cubs being in a better position to succeed in 2020 and 2021. Uh, now, that being said, if you told me, they're trading somebody, Corey. So if they trade Contreras, they will not trade Chris Bryant. Let's do it, right? Because I do not want them to trade Chris Bryant. I I think you and I have made that clear, but I will keep trying to make it clear. I do not want them to trade one of the best players in baseball. Uh, You know, hot take for me over here, right? But so in that sense, like, yeah, sure, like find a partner for Contreras, like let's just get this over with so if, if we're trading people and that's the direction that we have to go. But it is, it is kind of hard to see like what that roadmap to improving the team immediately would be when there's really just not good options out there and you'd really have to be trusting uh, that Victor was, was going to be able to step up and, and, and take that role. And also, you know, like, I again, I get the merit of, of why Wilson is one of those names that comes up a lot. We've talked about that, but you know you're also then punting on the ability to have wilson with david ross as his manager have him working directly with someone who was such an insightful and mindful catcher uh, with such defensive prowess involved in so many of those high level you know discussions with the pitching staff and and joe madden throughout those processes uh and and i don't know what effect that would have on wilson uh but you know, again, like it's just hard to envision how you would find yourself in in a in a better spot, like more primed to succeed in the immediate future, if you were going to pull this off. And it's it's not necessarily just because Grandal isn't there, but at least that was a specific game plan of okay, here's what we're going to do, and here's how we're going to replace it. Right mm-hmm. and absent yeah. of like kind of a clear line of thinking like that, it, it's just a major risk. I understand the potential value there and and why this is one of those rumors, but similar to KB, man, like it, it's without knowing what you're getting in return and like what those next steps would be it's it's just tough to to see how you know these guys are both really good players like the the easier decision is to just keep good players and (laughs) and try to build the roster around them by cleaning up in different areas uh so i think that's obviously the preference but it
3: may not be the direction that the cubs end up going so then who do we trade because we're hearing and we the answer might be we're going to trade no one, but like realistically, we've expected someone from this core to go. And Bryant, the logic there is uh, you're going to free up 18 million of which you can spend on Castellanos or someone else in similar value, and get a return back. That's a haul. So that that was the logic with Bryant. With Contreras, it was yeah, you can go and sign a free agent catcher, but those are off the board now. And with other guys as well, we have Schwarber, but the thing with Schwarber is he was actually better offensively, as you keep saying on this podcast, than Nick Castellanos in the second half last year. Schwarber was the best, like the best uh, offensive left fielder in Major League Baseball in the second half last year. And those adjustments appear sustainable. Are you comfortable trading Schwarber knowing that he made these adjustments are you comfortable doing them? Probably not, at least for me. Like, I may not be. And with Ian Hap, Hap has been consistently above league average throughout his career, even being demoted. But at the same time, it's that volatility that might not get you what you think is equal value or comparable value at the immediate time in 2020. So there's all these issues here that makes trading many of these guys from the core difficult to imagine so is is the solution maybe not even trading from the core and the solution is, you know, trying to free up salary, trade Chatwood. If you're lucky, if you say your prayers every night, trade Hayward's $23 million in his contract and then going out and getting someone like a Didi Gregorius or Nick Castellanos and then shoring up your depth by signing someone like Brock Holt or getting someone like Blake Trennan to round out that bullpen. Because, honestly, Corey, where I am right now, and I've changed my attitude from the Season ending, like I'll admit it, I've changed my attitude. Maybe it just doesn't make as much sense to try to line up all these free agent signings at the same time, trading some of the most integral, influential pieces from your core over the past three years that that ended in a championship. It just seems so difficult to line that up. And in doing so, by trading KV, by trading Contreras, you are creating massive holes to your roster, man. Like trading Chris Bryant, you trade an MVP, that's a hole. You trade Contreras, you're trading depth from your catching slot, that's a hole as well. And you expect to make that up in free agency or from the return you get, but that seems very difficult to do as well. Where I'm at right now is I would be happy if the Cubs signed Didi Gregorius, signed Blake Trennan, signed Kevin Gossman, shed some salary in Tyler Chatwood, shore up some of that infield depth, Maybe even go out and consider Kevin Pillar, go into 2020, get this team resituated, get this defense back on par at a championship level as it was in 2016, and have some damn pitchers develop in AAA and get them going. That should be enough. And we look at what the NL Central has right now. There's a very big margin for wins and losses from the Brewers, from the Cardinals, and from the Cubs, and it's all very close. This team is not far off. From a talent perspective, the argument is absolutely there that this team already has More talent. They just got to fit in some of these pieces to the puzzle, and that might not be trading from an established core. Does it make sense to do so for Contreras and some other guys? Yeah, maybe, but it just seems so unlikely at this point. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV,
0: Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming Zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1 800 Xfinity today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
2: Right, so I think you and I were talking before that I think there's got to be, especially just in the outlook of this off in particular, like there has to be a reasonable middle ground to believing that you know this that factually this team was a third place team in 2019, and that they need to sign Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon, or they're going to stink right there has yeah. to be a middle ground there to those things and i think some of the discourse acts as though that is not the case like if they don't go and spend on these massive free agents they're not going to be any good and i don't i don't think that that's true and th- this isn't to make excuses for the 2019 team but like they they won a decent amount of games. And we've already pointed out a number of different areas where you could easily have made certain improvements or certainly you could make them now over certain guys that you were playing and giving it bats to and letting come out of the bullpen, et cetera, right? So I think there's gotta be a, a middle ground there. And that's kind of where all of this gets a little tricky, right, because, and that's why we keep saying that, where it's like, okay, well, if you're gonna trade Chris Bryant, which they should not, like how who are you filling that in with? where are you getting that production from for the next couple years and it's it's tough to figure out right so that the, those particular rumors I think are ones where you you really can't evaluate them until they're done and you can look back on the full plan and like I said either be really mad or maybe understand it a little bit more but like, I I, I do think that there has to be a middle ground to, like, they don't necessarily need to go crazy to make this team better and and have a chance to compete, Uh, but obviously, I, I understand that it's frustrating that, you know, you hear the Yankees, are, they're they're willing to set records to get Garrett Cole. He's their guy, blah, blah, blah. The Angels are so determined to get Garrett Cole, yada, yada. And, you know, the Cubs, we're sitting here having conversations about, are they going to trade Chris Bryant? Do they have enough money? Blah, blah, blah. So it, it's, it's frustrating. But I, I do think that ultimately, even with the discourse as it is, we can get to a point where the 2020 Cubs are good and competitive, especially in this NL Central. And worth noting that Theo Epstein pointed out in some of his comments at the winter meetings on Monday, like, and of course he's going to say this, but it, it seems true nonetheless. Like, they're not going to do something just to do something. They've talked about how important change is and how important not committing to the same group over and over is, but if the right thing doesn't present itself, they're not just going to do something. So even if you're looking at someone like Wilson Contreras, like even if they think it makes sense to trade him, they're not going to do it if the return is not what they need it to be. And they may be disappointed in that. Who knows? But they're not just going to do something for the sake of doing something. But Brendan, and I, I wanted to ask on something particular because I, I don't remember if we have... Uh, listen, I, I don't listen to our own podcast. I can't stand the sound of my own voice. So sometimes I forget what <laughs> Brendan and I have talked about. So... I don't recall really, especially this late, giving a definitive feeling on someone you mentioned, and that was Nicholas Castellanos. Because we've heard that the Cubs were maybe interested in trying to make that work again. Then we heard Ken Rosenthal say that they might be interested, but they don't have the money to do it. So who knows the reality of where exactly that is. But is that something that—and you, and you can play with whatever budget you want, uh, you know, how you want to operate this decision, I'm, I'm not sure. But is that a reunion that you're interested in? Would you then want to be trading someone? What's your position here as it stands today on a reunion between Castellanos
3: and the Cubs? Castellanos would probably slot in right field and then Hayward to center field. I'm not loving the defense there, Corey. I'm not. You have Schwarber in left field who is maybe league average. Some of the defensive metrics are in disagreement. Hayward in center field had a lot of issues. He rated as a negative defender in center field and way above average in right field last year. And then Castellanos in right field defensively has always been rated below league average. So you have... And, you know, I'm a defensive type guy. I, I, I love defense. So having that type of defensive liability concerns me a little bit. What I would like... And I'm not saying, hey, no to Nick Castellanos. But if you're going to ask me my preference, do I want to make Castellanos my number one target... The answer is no. I, and, and I hate saying it because I love what he brought to the Cubs in the second half. I love the attitude. I absolutely love the guy. But what this team needs right now is depth. And what what makes the most sense to me is signing Didi Gregorius. And I, I know from a numbers perspective what Didi did last year compared to Nick with the bat, it fails. But what Didi Gregorius brings is infield depth across the diamond, but it also shores up their outfield depth. How does it happen? Well, if you have Didi Gregorius in this infield, let's say you push him to third base, okay? You push KB to right field and you have Nico Horner, if he's ready and in selective matchups, he's playing second base that day. And so you can mix and match and you have extra depth in case something happens to Javi. We don't want to be in a situation again where we have zero shortstop depth, where we had to call up a guy to bypass AAA in Nico Horner in a pennant race. I never want to see that ever again. And what Nico did was incredible beyond my expectations, most people's expectations as well. Credit should be given there. But to have that type of responsibility on Nico was a huge risk. It worked out, but it's a huge risk. If Javi goes down, then you have Didi at shortstop as a fine option at shortstop. So that's that. That's where I'm at right now, and I, I like Castellanos, but there I also have concerns with how his bat is going to age across his. Peripherals. He's a guy who doesn't make that much contact. Career rate, especially within the last three years, on average, 72 to 73%. That is. You know, okay for a guy who's a slugger. That's okay for someone like Chris Bryant or Javi Baez. It's not really okay with a guy who relies mostly on gap to gap power and extra base hits in the form of doubles. When the ball becomes dejuiced, what do we expect? And with, in particular, with Nicastiano's outside the zone swing rate, among the worst in the league, in the same tier as like Javi Baez, but without Javi Baez's power. So I don't expect Castellanos to age that well offensively either. So we're talking about a guy who has some defensive liability and someone who's projected, not by my standards, but by just like actual models not projected to age that well. Does that mean 2019, 2020 is not going to give you value? Of course not. He's going to give you value. It's just I don't prefer him over Didi Gregorius for positional flexibility, for aging reasons, and to some degree some offensive advantages that Didi brings as well a little bit better contact maybe some better situational hitting and he can bat from the left side in Didi Gregorius so if I had to pick between the two my priority is Didi I of course will welcome back Castellanos She's just not the biggest priority for me right now
2: yeah I think I'm with you for the most part I think again we we've talked a lot about how great nicholas was and the addition that he was the energy he brought and how hungry he was even at times where it seemed like the uh, a lot of the rest of the team like wasn't on that same vibe for whatever reason uh but it, it's just one of those things where that's another one where it's just hard to see how that all works because you're right like the outfield defense of schwarber castellanos and hayward i don't love it uh I, i'm not like necessarily opposed to it but you know then you're yeah. really banking on castellanos has to hit like he did in that second half for the entire season and he's been a good hitter his whole career but he has not been that good of a hitter for his whole career so is he able to you know is being in Wrigley Field what kind of brings that out like is he able to keep up at that level I don't know, and the, the outfield defense may really take a hit uh, at that point, you know, and again, like we've talked about a lot, like, you're taking away what you can maximize with Jason Hayward's game right now, which is moving him from right field, where he's one of the best in the game, to center field, where he's not one of the best in the game. So I I, I think, like, the Castellanos thing is something where if, if we were playing with an infinite budget and you could move some other things around, make some other decisions— I can see it working, but as it stands right now, I, I feel like you'd be looking at that as the loan move in a situation like this, uh, mm-hmm. or or something of the loan move. And I'm not really sure how
3: that would all play out. I, I you know, I also- if they can get if they can rid Hayward's contract and they can shore up center field defense in the form of an outside the organization acquisition. Then, yeah, I think getting Castellanos is a little bit more palatable just in that you can maybe use Castellanos out of the game and have a defensive replacement in right field. I just don't want to have every day slotted in, or in the majority of games, three guys who rate by some metrics as below league
2: average. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could make it work. I think if you were aggressive in that strategy, that would be uh, really testing David Ross's. How close of attention were you paying to Joe Madden, right? Like really quickly. Uh, like David, we're going to put this roster together, and you're going to need to make defensive subs every day uh yeah. so that would really be you know kind of throwing him into that managerial fire but i, I think and albert ma- amore is not the defensive sub would be making that's it for, correct right? mm-hmm. uh, so i i think you could I, I think you could pull it off and i and i think again like if nick can hit like you you'd feel good about that offense But again, it's just kind of one of those, like, I think that there's a good number of areas you'd like to improve, even if just a little bit, even marginally, right? And I just get the sense that going all in on Castellanos is going to be kind of a solo thing. Like, that would kind of eat up a lot of your money and not really let you distribute in in the way that you need to. But, like, I definitely wouldn't complain if they did it. It's just a question of, is that the best decision that they could make? I I don't know I, I would and
3: there there is there's a side of me too that and like one of the main reasons honestly that I like Didi Gregorius is that I want to get KB to the outfield like I want to preserve KB's health a little bit and take some of the wear and tear that comes from playing third base out of the picture not saying hey move KB to the outfield full time but similar to what they did in 2016-2015. like There was a huge chunk of time there, Corey, when Javi Baez was your third baseman for the 2016 Cubs. That moved Chris Bryant to the outfield. And I'm not saying that's what prevented him from getting injured in 2016, but just naturally, you talk to folks within Major League Baseball, going to the outfield is less demanding on your body. And Bryant's a big guy. He's had knee injuries. He's had shoulder injuries. I just want to do as much best as I can to preserve Chris Bryant's health. And I feel as if you can bring Didi Gregorius in there, then you're accomplishing many things across the diamond, one of which is preventing or preserving Chris Bryan's health.
2: Yeah, I, I think these are
3: uh, all on the
2: table. L- look, it's uh, this is an exhausting conversation, <laughs> just all of it. It, it really stinks. It I, I, I don't want to be talking about this. I would much rather we were in a position where you know, we were just debating who the Cubs should be signing and, and how they can make those improvements on the roster with the guys that they have and try to run back a another championship with, with this core. But that's not the dialogue around this team right now. And we'll see how much of it is smoke and mirrors and how much of it is smoke that's ultimately going to lead to fires. Uh, but that is kind of the state of things. And it's just going to be something to... Monitor. And again, like, I, I think I, I really want to keep cautioning this uh, to see how it all plays out. Because again, like, I can't stress this enough. I do not want them to trade Chris Bryant. They should not trade Chris Bryant. But there is a vast difference in trading him to get value out of him because you do not think that an extension is going to be possible versus trading him now because you need to cut payroll those are two entirely different things. They would leave the organization in completely different places. Like, and it's just not something that we can know right now until we see it. So you kind of just have to sit back and see how these things uh, play out. But, you know, ultimately, like, we'll see the group that they put out there in spring training. I I was talking to you, Brendan, I think the other day and saying like, sometimes I think people forget like the the Milwaukee Brewers just made the playoffs. They were almost going to beat the eventual World Series champions in that wildcard game. And that roster was not any good, right? Like it's not sour grapes to say that the rotation was a joke. (laughs) <laughs> right like and they yeah. made the playoffs and and you know like I'm not going to tip my hat to them cuz they can go straight to hell but like <laughs> yes, they, they you know they did pull it off you do have to like at least note that they did pull it off so I'm not taking that away from them but I'm just saying like sometimes when conversations like this start i think people overreact a little bit to, like, how good the roster needs to be to actually be competitive. The group that the Cubs have right now is better than most teams in the league, and I'm not advocating they run back a third-place team. They got to clean up some of those margins, but sometimes the discourse just goes in directions where, like, you would think we were talking about a talentless, void of a baseball team instead of a team that does have a lot of talent and a lot of things that could go right and could lead them to a, you know, a a relatively successful season, even if we're not looking at them and saying, oh yeah, this team is going to win 120 games. Um, So you kind of just got to stick with it and, and see what happens. I, I hate that the the conversation seems to be so negative around them and it seems to be about them trying to battle these internal issues rather than just what can we do to get better, who can we bring in, who can we suit to come in and, and join the Chicago Cubs like we have saw, you know, we were just talking about the John Lesser signing, like that was a much more pleasant discourse around the Chicago Cubs. We've got these guys coming up, who can we bring in to take this roster to The next level. And that's just not how the conversation feels right now. It feels a lot darker. It feels a lot heavier. Uh, It feels just scary right and and I'm with you like I'm terrified at this every time I get a notification from Ken Rosenthal or one of these guys like my heart sinks like oh god you know like what are we going to what am I going to open up and find right every time I read an article on the athletic I'm terrified of what's you know what quotes and other stuff are going to be <laughs> lurking in there that I just didn't want to know right but that's where we are and it's another moment and I'll, I'll let you have some, some final thoughts here, Brendan, before I wrap up. But uh, it's another one of those moments, and we talked about this when the Dodgers were eliminated. It is another moment to stop and appreciate. Thank God they won that game on November 2nd, 2016.
3: Thank because God. The Cubs did win the World Series, yes, correct?
2: Yes. I don't even want to consider the timeline we would be on if we were having these same <laughs> discussions right now, I wouldn't be watching this team. Like, I, I would be right? too Like, so I'm just I'd saying, be, I'd like, be too emotionally distraught. Thank God they won that game. The Cubs won the World Series. We got it, and maybe it's it's a harder process than we had hoped to get back to that point. And it takes a little longer than we all would have hoped. I don't know. We'll see how this offseason plays out, but. They can't they can't take that away from us, Brendan. Like no matter what, they cannot take that away from it. I'm wearing a World Series champion shirt right now as we record this. It happened. It's over. And I'm I, I I can live with that. All right. Like we can take each next step in stride and we'll see what happens. But I, I can live
3: with that for now. I think my last thoughts are looking ahead to twenty twenty with this current team. And again, the the offseason is just beginning for the Cubs. It really is. But maybe it's not as crazy to think that the main pieces should stay. And we look at what their projections are from models like Steamer, and they have six guys, Corey, who are projected to be league average or better. That's two-thirds of their starting lineup already. And so it goes back to the point of how do they get better? Well, they clean up the margins. They clean up the margins by playing better defense, by slotting in better depth pieces, by having better bullpen management, by having better bullpen arms, which they already do now compared to 2019. They do so, again, by having stable starting rotation depth. How does it happen? Maybe you go out and get Kevin Gossman. Maybe you have finally someone from AAA come up, like Colin Ray. You have you Darvish, play like he did in the second half the entire season. You have Hendricks, stay healthy. You have Q, for the most part, stay healthy and be the same guy he was. There are reasons to believe that the way the Cubs are made up at a core, not saying completely right now, but as a core, they are already better than other teams in NL Central. That's not crazy to think about. That's not crazy to even say or suggest. And I think it's fair to have that in your mind and use that when you're discussing trades for Chris freaking Bryant, for Wilson Contreras, for Kyle Schwarber, again, some of the trade talks we see, yeah, they might make sense, but they are probably more <laughs> unlikely than likely. I just, it's just the way it works. We've seen, again, how difficult it is to time up the free Asian market with trades. Or maybe we would have seen Contreras traded by now in Travis Darno or Steven Moats or Yasmani Grandal on this roster. It's incredibly difficult. So that that's where I am right now. I'm growing into the idea of having these core guys stay, not making trades for the sake of making trades, as Theo said, and improving the margins by going in and addressing that depth. And that's ultimately what happens. And I think by 2020 spring training, we're looking at a division, realistically, a division champion, Corey.
2: Yeah. So I I will end with this. And again, we'll see what happens. It's the winter meetings. Brendan and I will jump on if we have to talk again tomorrow. We'll jump on tomorrow if something happens. So you can stick with us. Uh, We'll throw it out there on on Twitter or whatever if we do end up coming back uh, sooner rather than later, or it'll just show up in your podcast feed wherever you listen and hopefully are giving us a five-star review because we really Mm. appreciate that. But I'll leave off with this, and I think that those of you that have listened to us for a long time certainly do already, and uh, I would be surprised if you didn't, but I I really hope that you currently do and have appreciated having Chris Bryant on your favorite baseball team uh, because there are a bunch of other teams that don't have players anywhere close to how good he is and who have not been given the production that he has given the Chicago Cubs, for these few years, uh, they don't have anything close to that. And it's wild to look at the way some people who, uh, you know, claim to be Cubs fans talk about one of the best players to ever button up this uniform. It is crazy how underappreciated, how undervalued Chris Bryant is. To be frank, it's disgusting uh, to me that he's so grossly underappreciated and and accused of being unclutch, accused of being soft, oft injured, etc., things like that. It's gross to me. This is one of the best players in Chicago Cubs history, and if you didn't think that already, I probably can't convince you right now, but I, I just, for everyone's sake, I hope that you are able, whether it's now or 20 years from now, I hope that you are able to appreciate how lucky we have we are and have been and hopefully continue to be to have Christopher Lee Bryant at third base and mm. in that lineup for the yeah. Chicago Cubs because a, a, as a baseball fan and you know again like all of you someone who grew up with the Cubs not being very good very often it's an absolute pleasure and it's a blessing as a baseball fan to have somebody like that get drafted by your favorite team, be the person that he is on and off the field, and to deliver the performance that he has for the Chicago Cubs. So I, I hope that you have appreciated it. I hope you continue to appreciate it. And if you didn't and don't, I hope you can get there one day because it might not ever get better th- than this. So hopefully you can figure that out at some point. Uh, but the official stance. Of the Cubs Related Podcast is always pro-Christopher Bryant and anti-trading Chris Bryant. That you can take to the bank. So again, with that, we will keep, keep you updated on all things winter meetings. If anything happens of substance, we will get back on and talk to you. As always, we thank you for listening to the Cubs Related Podcast. We will talk to you either next week or soon if, if something goes on. So hopefully you are all able to wade through the rumors and survive these winter meetings. We will talk again soon. And whether we are really pissed off at some of the rumors we are hearing or we are rooting them on on the field, we always end by saying, go Cubs.
0: Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply.